Welcome to Scouting for Growth. Today, I'm joined by Nathan Stack. Nathan is an award-winning leader in the B Corp community and the founder and CEO of Profitable Purpose Consulting, a culture and impact consultancy that helps companies certify as B Corporations. He also founded and shares today Big Local Georgia, a nonprofit dedicated to growing the number of purpose-driven businesses. Nathan teaches as well an experiential MBA course on B Corps at the University of Georgia, and he serves on the board of B Academics, a nonprofit committed to research and experiential B Corp learning opportunities worldwide. As of March 2023, the latest available data indicates that there are over 6,435 B corporations in over 159 industries and 88 countries worldwide. The number of certified B Corps have steadily increased actually over the years with the largest growing numbers that we expect is in the United States. 48 of all B Corps are publicly traded companies and B Corp employs half a million workers worldwide. On this episode of Scouting for Growth, Nathan and I will discuss why Nathan decided to focus his attention on B Corps. And then we will talk about what does B Corp mean and why does B Corp movement matters. What does it take to become a B Corp? I want to know as well. And what is the ROI? What can be achieved actually as ROI when one becomes a B Corp? If you enjoy listening to this podcast, do not forget to subscribe to it rate it and provide a comment here below. If there's a topic you feel needs addressing, just send me a message using the communication channel available as well below. So let's welcome Nathan. Hi, Nathan. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Always excited to uh, come on, talk B Corps and everything in between. Yes. So, you know, to get started, I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about you and what got you to focus on B Corp. I think it's a, a big topic nowadays. And, you know, when was the moment of realization that would be your purpose and path for the future, Nathan? Ooh, um, yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll go short story. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'll reference my book later. People want the full two hour story, but uh, yeah, I mean, I've always worked in business and I was, I, 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 you know, I, I knew I wanted to do business when I was in high school, uh, I was 16, 17 years old and writing papers about international business. And like, I, I, you know, I got an international business degree and I worked and I did all kinds of weird jobs and um, moved out to Las Vegas, moved back and like 2012, everything was pretty good and career was going well. And, um, was it, yeah, it was, uh, it was January, like second of 2013, I got laid off and then went somewhere, went to the people that kind of put us out of business, worked for them, got laid off again. So like two layoffs in six months, and then just kind of had some jobs that weren't, um, purpose-filled we'll just say that since uh if you can't say anything nice don't say anything at all so we'll uh <laughs> we'll just leave it at that and then just kind of like was like trying to figure out what i'm going to do next and i ended up 
applying to MBA programs because I was in my my early 30s and I'm like, you know, it's time for the reset button that is an MBA. So I was doing that. But in the meantime, like I've kind of had these jobs where I'm I'm burning, I burned out on capitalism. I saw the ugly sides of 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 business and um I was reading Thomas Piketty's Capital in the 21st Century. And at th- this point was my eye opener too, because I had a year to kill before my MBA program started. So I was driving an Uber and I was bartending and doing setup shifts at like a convention center for $8 an hour. And I saw all these people that, you know, were also driving, Uber, you know, working two or three of these, you know, either gig jobs or part-time jobs, no benefits, you know, trying to raise families, trying to, trying to, you know, provide better for that generation behind that. And there's like nothing, there's no hope. Like there was, you know, for me, I saw that I was going to, I was going to go to grad school, but it was a really eye-opening moment that this is what we've let kind of our, our capitalist society become that, you know, we, you know, we, we, we look so much at it's profit and everything like that. And yeah, yeah, we have to make money as business owners, but I started to see the side of like greed as well. And so I get into an MBA program and my second semester, I got introduced to a B Corp project and I'm like, this is the boom. Like, this is it. Like this, like, you know, the sky opens the, like, you know, the angels were singing and I realized I'd found my, my, my business community that these were still people who believed in capitalism, who believed in, in business. They just believed in using business as a force for good in society. So I worked on that project. Um, the semester was ending and I, I went to the CEO and I was like, Hey man, can we keep working on this? We still have another year after our summer internships. And he was like, please, I like, I'm not, it will probably die on the vine without this, without your help. So I kept working on it. And then long story short, like I got an offer. I went to work for that company and I was there for six years. And that's when I really, you know, got involved in the B Corp community. I started a nonprofit. I started a, a call for other people in the B Corp community, the B culture call, I started playing B Corp conferences. I started attending, you know, big national and international B Corp conferences. And so like, but it was that, it was that kind of finding that project at the right moment in my life of realizing like, it isn't necessarily capitalism that is evil. It's what we've let it become. Um, And realizing that there's this whole community of business leaders and business owners and, um, and change makers that are are trying to change the world through business. And so that's, that's where I am today. And, and it's been a fun journey. Um, and I think sometimes it's, you know, we talked about the book, but I share a lot more failures. <laughs> so um, I think it's, it's fun to share. It's fun to see where you've come from and what you faced and kind of how you overcame it. And that a lot of times it's those moments that unlock the opportunity um, to find that happiness, to find your purpose in life. So that's that's me in a nutshell yeah i mean so important right i think a lot of us you know when we are younger we fall into jobs into careers potentially and then as you develop your skill set and refine them at some point i think you have the haha moment and realize it's not just about working like dogs right it's about finding purpose so that every day you wake up you're actually enjoying what you do and actually you wrote a book right happy monday can you let us i mean can you tell us a little bit more about what got you to write happy monday ah, telling people that i was writing a book <laughs> That'll, that's the ultimate motivator we're like oh man it's kind of like when you, t- you know you make a commitment public and you're like well i guess i need to write this book um it actually started it started i was i was reflecting on an airplane still sitting at the gate 
and I was flying on a vacation and I realized this is the first vacation I'd taken in like five years um, without my laptop, without, you know, and I thought about all the things that I had done to get there and, you know, even some of the really long hours and long weeks and um, even at the, at the job at a B Corp, like I'd loved them, but uh, what they needed me to do wasn't necessarily the B Corp stuff. That was addition, like all the hard work I'd put into that. And then, you know, also slowly helping them grow and using a bunch of these old skill sets, you know, and helping them grow and get to the point where we hired somebody to replace me from the work that I was doing. And I was focused full time on culture and impact and all the things that we as a B Corp cared about. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't I don't have my computer. Like, oh, my God, I'm really, really happy. Um, and I started journaling, like literally sitting at the gate. I just started writing because my brain, I think my brain was also conditioned to work at airports. <laughs> so I was like, I don't have a computer. I can't work. So I started writing and I, I wrote like three or four pages of, of, of content of, and it kept coming back to the old Jim Rohn quote and learn to work harder on yourself than you do on your job. Um, and, and I realized that like that had been what had gotten me here was living that quote that I first heard probably at age 25, that I had invested so much in myself and like long hours, late nights, early mornings, um, things that I didn't necessarily get, got, I didn't get paid for them, but they were, I paid in time. I paid in equity, tears, sweat, everything like but they were an investment in myself that was finally, I was starting to see the rewards. So I, I, I wrote that and then I was like, my God, this is a book. And, uh, and I had a friend that, that knew that had a friend that was a ghost writer who, who honestly helped me, but I'm also a really good writer. So like they would give me the chapter and I'd be like, all right, I, I'll, I'll send it back by the end of the week. And I would rewrite the entire thing. Cause I was so worried that I was like, this has to sound like me. My voice is so unique in the sense that it's, um, uh, I'm very, I don't want to say self-effacing because everybody's like, you have to, you know, exude confidence. I'm like, yeah, but I think it's authentic when you're yourself. And like, I make fun of myself and I I love talking about like stupid things I've done in my life and jobs that I took and times where I just failed miserably and tried to stretch outside of my comfort zone and not well. Um, So I like had to give it that touch of like, I didn't want it to be like every other you know, business book where it's like, I'm the most successful human being ever born. It was like, I'm just like you. I've had a bunch of jobs that I didn't like. Welcome to your twenties. Um, and here's how to hopefully come out of all of that um, prepared for Well, originally I was going to call the book when opportunity knocks. Cause I felt like that's what it was. It was, as you get to this point, like when, when the opportunity was there, I had put myself in a position to be ready for it. And to be ready to, you know, get to a point where like, I, I joke, like I, happy Monday comes from the turn. I tell people that I'm, I like Mondays so much that I start working on Sunday because I'm just like, I'm excited The work. Like I, the work I do is so impactful and so meaningful that now I love the long hours. I love like everything I'm doing brings joy to me. Like, even if it's just staying up, like, oh, I promise to connect you know, John to Mary and like, and, but knowing that John and Mary are going to do some beautiful collaboration together at some point, like, like that to me is, it's, it's, it's joyous. So yeah, that's where the book came from. I think if anything too, for maybe hoping that you reach somebody who was me in my early thirties, who was kind of depressed and, and, and kind of couldn't get over that, that success hurdle. Like I kept getting to a certain point and I couldn't get over it. And so hoping that, 
you know, somebody out there is in a similar situation, even if like one person read that book that, that helped them go like, oh, it's going to get better. And oh, like, I just haven't found it yet. I need to keep working. I need to keep giving a hundred percent and like it, good things will come to me. I hope, I hope, I hope that it reached somebody in that capacity. Yeah. I can hear karma, but also I can hear, you know, um, at the end of my belief is, you know, you build credibility through authenticity. And so, you know, being honest with who you are and where you are always yield outstanding outcomes. I think in today, more and more people want to surround themselves with authentic people. You know, me working with startups and today, I guess, is not the greatest day. You've heard the announcement around the bank. Um, you know, we have to be on the phone and check on the startup we are working with to make sure everybody is okay. You know, the UK is all right, but we still don't have news on other markets. And so we are keeping on checking in. Uh, authentically, just to make sure that those organizations we care for are being able to take care of themselves and sustain themselves. But that takes me, Nathan, to what is B Corp? Tell us, what what is that? Yeah, no, and, I, and I'm glad you brought up SVB too, because I think it's important, you know, and like, I've I've already seen the, the finger pointing happen, not necessarily the finger pointing, but I've seen people like, oh, well, they failed because they were like too woke or they failed because they had like a DEI committee. And I'm like, this is a, it, it happened, you know, but it doesn't it doesn't mean that this whole movement of which B Corps are, are a, probably a centering point. It doesn't negate everything, you know, just because like one bad thing, ha- you know, it's like it, I mean, I can point to plenty of other, uh, you know, uh let's just say things on the other other end of the capitalism spectrum that are are you know a hundredfold worse um doesn't mean that it also condemns every business on that end so anyway i just thought i'd say that um b corps yeah b corps are uh b corps are to businesses for profit businesses um because there's always that misconception that you have to be a nonprofit if you're going to care about more than money b corps are for profit businesses with a certification that is a lot like lead to a building. So like, you know, some outside party, I think it's the green business council comes in and looks at your building and looks at the materials that went into it and the natural light and all that. I don't know the full aspects of, of, of lead certification. B Corp is very similar in that there's an outside nonprofit that comes in and looks at your business holistically. How, how transparent are you? Um, you know, it looks at corporate governance. It looks at your workers. What kind of benefits do you offer? What's the pay multiplier from top paid employee to bottom paid employee? Um, you know, what sort of leave do you offer for parents, for caregivers? It looks at your community impact. So everything from pro bono services or goods to volunteerism to um, DEI initiatives and D- and not just initiatives, not just like having a policy, but like progress towards initiatives um, it looks at your environmental footprint and what are you doing to to decrease your carbon footprint and what are you doing? Are you, you know, are you offsetting what you do? Have you looked upstream at your supply chain? Are there better ways to get more things locally? Um, and then lastly, it looks at your customers. So, you know, what kind of policies do you have in place to protect your customers? What sort of um, how transparent are you with your customers? You know, if you're using their data for other things are you telling them are you telling them what they're you're collecting data for um are you basically treating them like human beings so it looks at those five different sections of the business 
and then you have to get to a score of 80. And I think a lot of times it'd be like, even if it was like that, it would be cool. That's great. Certified. But with B-Lab, it's almost, they kind of do the, oh, that's great. Now prove it. And then you, so you have to go through a whole verification process of essentially, I, that's what I was, that's why I was late to this call today. I was working on one for somebody of like, now we're going through and it's like, okay, we have all the answers. And now I need to pull all of the documentation and upload it and say, this is on page eight of the handbook. And, you know, here's our, and put together the spreadsheet with every volunteer hour we worked last year and where was it and what was the nonprofit, those types of things where you can't just say like, oh, we have a strong commitment to the community. Oh, well, that's good enough. No, it isn't good enough. Um, at least not to get certified. And I think not with this generation, um, which is really what's driving all of this is you're starting to see as soon as Gen Z showed up, Gen Z and millennials found their voices and kind of got together to say like business as usual isn't working. It's not working for everybody. Um, and you can say the word that's become a dirty word over here that, but woke. Um, oh, um, but really it's just that like, this next generation is kind of fed up with like, why are things more equitable? Why, why, why have we allowed status quo to continue when status quo doesn't work? Um, and how do we leverage the business community to solve some of society's biggest problems? I heard somebody say that one time, entrepreneurs are uniquely positioned to solve society, to solve the biggest issues in society. We always have. You know, and they, I, I came up, with, maybe he used the analogy. I don't remember. It was a friend of mine in London. And he said, uh, he said, think about it. At some point, somebody sliced bread. <laughs> like at some point, there was an entrepreneur that went like, this is really hard. You need to like pull off a clunk of bread. Like, what if we slice it? You can make sandwiches a lot easier. And people would probably rather buy the sliced bread than the unsliced bread. Like, but you think about that on a bigger scheme of like, you think of a Grayston Bakery, which is a certified B Corp. You know, they switched to open hiring where they were like, what if we could help people who maybe were incarcerated or homeless who have gaps on their resume? What if we didn't even ask for a resume? Could we start to solve some of these things? We've created mechanisms to keep these people kind of where they're at and never give them that second opportunity. So you see these things come out of the B Corp community where it's like unique solutions to society's most pressing issues. And so I think that's that's the beauty of the whole movement. Um, it's just that these these businesses have come together to kind of say, I don't say enough is enough, but enough is enough. And let's just be leaders. Let's be true business leaders and do the hard things the right way. Interesting, because I was talking to um, a lady last week who is leading the head of talent and, and people recruitment in a, one of the top, you know, Fortune 500 company. And uh, we were catching up last last week and she was saying to me that she was challenging as well, similar things as you were highlighting. Why do we need 10, 7, 8 years of experience on the on a CV? You know, what is that proving? Why are we asking uh, individuals to have some time industry knowledge? Partly when we want problem solvers. And so she has been taking out a lot of those things which were built by industries to actually focus on uh, people competencies and and strengths. And she said she has been able to bring uh, diversity, so the numbers, but also inclusion, how you treat people in the organization and build a much more diverse workforce. 
which, you know, the leadership team didn't think it would work, but uh, it is working and they are able to deliver much stronger numbers, actually. So echoing what you are just saying, Nathan. But why does, you know, why do the B Corp movement matters? And can you tell us what the difference between company, which is B Corp, and then maybe focusing, you already mentioned sustainability driver ESGs, vis-a-vis, you know, the former CSR you know, programs we saw in, in corporations. Yeah, I mean, I think why the movement matters is I. there needs to be some sort of gold standard, you know, and, and I think nowadays, and this comes back to my question of like, what's the ROI on my certifying my business? You know, nowadays you see, and to me, it's a symbol that, 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 that this is working um you know again coming back to the whole anti-woke thing that's happening over here that's only going to get worse in an election cycle um this isn't and somebody mark mcneese who teaches at florida state university in the entrepreneurship program he had an op-ed published recently said uh this isn't esg isn't woke capitalism it is simply capitalism um and it's true like the the the, the free market is what controls the levers. The free market is employees, consumers. It's you. It's me. Um, we we control capitalism with what we buy. So we if our demand for goods and services and companies who we're going to buy them from dictates pricing. It dictates what gets produced. It dictates dictates distribution. So the fact that you see every company now realizing that I have to um, have a commitment to the environment. I have to have a commitment to DEI principles and actually diversifying our company and and making diverse hires feel included. Um, every company knows that they have to have some sort of community impact exists for a greater good. So you're seeing this in 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 every commercial, and some of them are like such desperate attempts to appear that they're getting it. And and the tough part I think is that a lot of the consumers, well, not the tough part, the good part is a lot of these consumers are are smarter. There's more research available. There's more you know, Google, Ecosia, B Corp search engine. Um, there's more research readily available for us to look up like, hey, I want to see their annual impact report. You know, I want to see what they actually did. I want to read their about us page and see if there's, if it just says like, hey, we care about the environment. And there's no like, we care about the environment. And here's how, boom, 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 quantifiable, quantifiable, quantifiable data set. Like when it's just these vague things, it's like, A, it's proving at least that the demand curve has shifted. But it, it's it's harder and harder, I think, for businesses to that are doing good to break through. So if it's B Corp provides that opportunity, that vessel to say like, hey, our impact has been vetted and approved and verified. So I think why the movement matters is I think it is it is holding businesses accountable and it is giving a, a measurement for other businesses to strive for. I think it is a good tool and that it, 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 you know, it forces companies and it's a free tool. Like anybody who's curious as a business owner, that's listening to this, like you can go to beimpactassessment.net and just sign up and take it um, and just see where you're at. Nobody's going to, there's not, you're not going to, you know, you're not basically like some salesperson, like most things you're like, Oh, it's a free tool, download it. And we're going to use your data and spam you. And our sales team will be calling your cell phone at, 
you know, three times a day. No, there's not this. It, literally, it's a free assessment. It's run by a nonprofit. There's no de- business development. There's no, your data is not being used nefariously. It's, but you can set that up and just see like, how's my business doing? Like those things that I say I care about. And I've been through this with business owners at my old company, like I, I, where those moments where you, things you thought you cared about as a business owner, where your intentions were there, you suddenly realize that like your impact isn't mm-hmm. like, okay, well, you know, we care about diversity. Oh, oh my God, look at our numbers. Or we care about the community. And you're like, okay, how many hours did your t- company volunteer last year? And you're like, I have no idea. Oh, so you just put up that we care about the community because you do a volunteer event once a year? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, being able to like actually sit and go through and look at these things and go like, huh, we don't have any of these policies in our handbook. Are you telling me that like really good company, like this is this is standard for a lot of companies? So I think that exercise is super powerful. And then I think the certification gives B Corps, the ones that are certified, an opportunity to break through the noise that is the marketing machine today, where everybody, again, has that commitment to everything, whether it means. And so you're you're going up, especially as a smaller, medium sized business, like you're going up against some big budget um, marketing, PR firms, um, content writers that are like they can. They can put lipstick on a pig, as we say over here, and make something look really good. So if you're doing good, to me, it's getting that recognition you deserve as a good slash, I would argue, great company. Yeah, great corporate citizen or great company. I mean, it's interesting because um, I think some organization would say, you know, I'm doing great things. I am sending books to underserved group of the community said so I'm doing volunteering, but actually it's more than just doing once a, once a year, right? Or, you know, massaging the numbers so that it might look good, but you are actually paying yourself very well. And then whatever you are leaving be, you know, behind is actually crumbles rather than real, real impact. And I think that's important. You you actually highlighted already earlier, uh, you mentioned the Gen Zs and the millennials. You know, how do we use BCO um, in a way to attract and retain talent? How have you seen companies do that? Oh, yeah. Um, yes, I get students email me all the time. Like, is your consulting company hiring? I'm like, I just started a year and a half ago. Um, but I, I there's... I'll share a quick story from my old company because it was funny. We started recruiting right out of undergrad um, for for the Elevate program. And full disclosure, like I'm still really good friends with the old CEO. Like he helped me launch my business. They are a client of mine now. Like I love I love the company. Um, I would still be there if I hadn't created opportunity for myself to go do my own thing. So what I will say though is like we, when we created that Elevate program, we started recruiting from undergraduate programs and. It was crazy to hear. We realized after like the first year on campus, like, oh, we need to put this B Corp thing out. Because the first thing they would come up to us at the career fair and say would be like, I saw in your company that you're a B Corp. And then like whoever the recruiter was that was actually working, I would usually be there because our recruiting team was kind of small. And so I would go with them and they'd be like, "Uh, talk to Nathan. Like, so, but it was crazy how, how the interest level and even on our, we started doing and a new hire survey of like, what was one of the reasons you came to work for us? And it was B Corp would be ranked super high, but then it was funny because you got to orientation and I would kick it off. I was always the first session and I would ask, okay, so who knows what it means to be a B Corp? Like what goes into it? And like 
you get like one person to be like, um, I'm guessing that we're going to volunteer a lot. And you're like, okay, so you, you that's one big piece of it. But like, it's kind of like I, I joked earlier, I don't know what goes into lead. I don't know that most people know everything that it, that it is to be a B Corp and what goes through that certification process. I mean, there's a reason that I, there's consulting companies like mine that literally exist to help people certify, but everybody like this generation knows about it. And you, and if you start really boiling down the brands, you know, it's Athleta, it's Patagonia, it's Tom's of Maine, it's Warby Parker. It's, it's, it's all birds. It's brands that like, they all love and are super passionate about supporting and shopping from. And they all know, they all recognize that logo. So again, it's like the, the, the recruitment piece it is the differentiator of all differentiators because again, if you're a if you're an employee or a prospective employee and you're looking at companies, everybody's about us page kind of reads the same now. Um, everybody's you know you know the, I mean even now you see a lot more companies have like a DEI page, our stance on diversity, and it's just and it's not even their own people. It's the same clip art from that <laughs> that every company has. Where I'm like, do these people work at every company on the internet? Like. It's the same stock photo and one person's in a, in, you know, in a wheelchair and one person and it, it's like the, the United, what was the United colors of Benetton back in the day? Like that's what it reminds me of. And, and I'm like, and then you go to a B Corp page and, and chances are you're going to see real employees. Chances are that like, you're going to see the B Corp logo. You're going to see actual, here's what we do. Here's how we actually care. You're not just going to see the fluff that you see everywhere else. So, I mean, from a differentiation standpoint, it is invaluable. And then I think there's something in the B Corp ethos that once you come to work for a B Corp, um, it is very hard to want to leave because you have that different style of business management and it's not the, well, we've always done it this way. So just deal with it. There's a lot more of that kind of trans that natural transparency, um, that natural wanting to improve. And I think also I see it with a lot of B Corp business owners, the humility. Yeah. So as an employee, I see a humility in my business owner that there he's he or she isn't the like the 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 you know the know-it-all, like I'm the most successful person ever as an entrepreneur. Like this is kind of a like, I don't know, we've never tried that. Well, you want to you know want to help us kind of figure that out? You know, there's a lot more of that in the B Corp space. And again, these aren't just little like mom and pop companies either there's some, i mean there's plenty of those which is great because a lot of people in the world end up working at small companies but there's also a lot of i mean nespresso danone like there's some big companies now multinationals publicly traded app harvest lemonade that are out there and in the b corp community so i think there's the opportunity across the gamut That's um that's yeah that is that is attracting that next generation of worker who's looking for more than just empty commitments. It's looking for a place to call home. But you know, when you look at startups, um, Nathan, what about investors? You know, do investors check those things? You know, does it matter for investors to be B Corp certified? Oh, I love this question. Um, I feel like there's a good number of advisors in the startup space that still they read some article on B Corps in 2013 and they're still uh oh that you'll never raise capital. You'll never raise capital. And I always tell 
and I mean, I've, I've, I mean, TechStars is a B Corp, but I've spoken to TechStars cohorts in, in, in Alabama and Georgia and virtually I've spoken to different accelerators. I've advised accelerators. I always remind them you just haven't met the right investor. If that's what they're telling you, if they're only focused on your growth, well, don't, you don't necessarily, I mean, if you're desperate enough, you might need their capital, but you don't want their capital because they're not going to, they're not going to embrace the company for what it is and why you started it. You know, that's that it's, uh, there's a, there's a place and a time for that model of VC money. Um, and it's scale exit, you know, I mean, it's the same principle, but there's also VCs out there who are looking for mission-driven companies. And yes, they want their return. Let's not pretend like, oh, they're just out there to change the world. They're going to they're going to risk their money. They're going to want return. But they're also much more willing to work with a company who's also about purpose and about mission and about, you know, a society. I mean, you have a lot of social entrepreneurs now that are literally trying to solve a societal issue um that there are vcs out there i mean if you look up vcs just north america on the b corp directory there's 30 different companies that come up so there's traditional venture venture capital firms there's folks like big path capital that helps companies exit um with their purpose intact it's a certified b corp so there's plenty of those investors out in the world i think it just comes down to the entrepreneur of do your due diligence do you want this person's money um, do their values align with yours? You should be dating them as much as is or or doing your due diligence as much as they are with you. Um, so but yeah, I, I, I think for the true impact investor, they are out there and they are looking for your company and they are not scared away by the fact that you're going to, you know, do some sort of like, you know, Tom shoes mission to give away, you know, X percentage of your revenues and invested back into community investments. Cause a true impact investor will understand the ROI on that and realize that it gets people like me to own a bunch of Tom shoes. It gets that next generation of talent that you want to hire to want to work for you. That those aren't, those aren't necessarily expense items on your P and L. Those are actually investments um in recruit recruitment retention and customer acquisition so uh, the right investor knows and and will be a great business partner for you but um do it's you hard sometimes right nathan but you're right at the end of the day investors should be smart investors you know startup need to look for investors who are going to be there when uh, the time get rough and so uh, being able to do both sides, due diligence, I think is, is as you said, crucial. It not, should not just be about the money. I'd like to actually get into some, some level of conclusion, actually, uh, Nathan, and go back into, you know, what is beyond the ROI? Can you tell us, you know, what are the type of ROI a B Corp company can achieve by being B Corp? Yeah, and, and, and I, thank you. Um, I love this question. Um, I, I have a TEDx that's coming out and I say in it, um, that I'm an unapologetic capitalist. You know, I believe in risk being returned with reward, you know, that there is an inherent value that the marketplace returns. If you, if you're, if your service or your product is needed, people will buy it. People will pay. If it's great, people will pay more for it. Um, so I love the question because I think I think sometimes we get too caught up in the ideals of B Corp and that's all people hear. And it sounds kind of like a like a like a like some sort of like you know campfire 
we're out in the mountains. Um, so anyway, I, I, I think it's an important question. Like, let's lean into the fact that these are for-profit businesses that, you know, no margin, no mission, no profit, no purpose, like to, to scale our impact, to scale our mission, we can scale our revenue and we can grow as a business. And then that allows us to do even more good in the world that allows us to give raises and pay increases and bonuses and all these things. So anyway, that's my soapbox on <laughs> the, the importance of, we still have to, you know, and we have to make hard decisions as B Corp. Sometimes we have to do layoffs. Sometimes we have to, you know, do hiring freezes. Sometimes we have to, you know, maybe we can't afford this year to get pay increases. Like there are those things that we have to, as business owners, make those hard decisions. Um, but I think from an ROI standpoint and, you know, talking about these things is, is there is, and I made the analogy earlier, but I'll make it again, that there is a misconception that investing in benefits, investing in time off, investing in um, community volunteer efforts, um, investing in, in, in carbon footprint reduction, that all these things like on a PL that they have to go to the expense side. That these are all, and we're trained that way. Like, okay, benefits cost money. Those are just sunk costs. Like, those are just, that's just the cost of doing business. That, and like, nowadays, I think that they are a lot more, at least in the B Corp space, they're viewed as investments in the ROI. They're, they're, those things are, you will get return on increasing those benefits, on having a better parental leave policy. Um, on a true commitment to what we're going to do in the community and the change we're going to enact through both our company time and our company product. So there's a return from that aspect in both employee recruitment retention, which we've talked about customer acquisition, customer lifetime value, CLV, or whatever we'll call it, customer happiness, net promoter score, those companies. And I use the example and I'll use it again here because my TEDx isn't out yet. So I can't send you there to watch it. Um, but I talk about like my love of Tom shoes, my love of cafe campesino coffee, my love of Grayson bakery. When I have to send thank you gifts, these, these brands that like, they're not, they paid me nothing to stand on a Ted stage, TEDx stage and, and rave about them. But I do. Cause I'd love, like, those are my, I, it is important for me to know where my dollar is going and who I'm spending it with. And so when I can spend dollars with B Corp's, I inherently will. So Tom shoes, knowing that I think it's 33% of their revenue gets reinvested into company community investments. I know buying their shoes, what that my dollar 33 cents out of every dollar I spend with them is being reinvested locally. The other 67% is helping them build their business. So I use that just to say like, I, there, I am not alone in the way I purchase things um, and the way I make decisions. And even when somebody does, one of those students reaches out to me, like, are you hiring? No, but I know this B Corp that is. And so, and hearing and talking to these students and teaching an MBA class on this subject, I see it every day. So it's one of those questions that can I, can I give you a percentage of ROI, which I I've gotten asked that before, what percent, how much, how, how much does your sales funnel like increase once you certified? I'm like, there's too many variables. All I know is what my old boss used to say all the time. 
because we had grown from like eight employees when we certified to like a hundred and something. And he was like, all I know is it hasn't been bad for business. You know, like it's, it, it, it but it, it helped us. I mean, and we could give anecdotes and examples of the, you know, and I did already of employees wanting to work for us because we're a B Corp and, you know, customers getting sales calls because they, the B Corp thing piqued somebody's interest on the corporate side. I went, what? I'm just kind of curious to learn more about that and how it fits into the business. And we, we, you know, we're trying to spend more dollars with mission driven companies. So it was like, Oh, cool. We, we got our meeting, which any salesperson will tell you is all you want. Just give me the meeting and I'll do the rest. Um, so yeah, but there is an inherent ROI on doing good business and it's because the demand curve has shifted. So I, all these businesses are just trying to chase the demand curves, like the carrot on the stick and everybody's chasing it. And I think B Corps are at least level with the carrot. So yeah. we're we're sitting there getting that, realizing that you know, there is there is a uh, an opportunity to sell more and be a more attractive candidate, i.e., spend less on recruiting talent and retaining it. So that was a long-winded answer, but I love that that's question. Good. No, that's good. I guess for me, I mean, you have touched upon so many different things. Um, but you know, during the course of our conversation, I heard it's definitely helped you for attracting talent and retaining it. So, you know, if you can actually maybe take and make saving of 100 percent on your uh you know, employee acquisition cost or even around, you know, people leaving, so you have to recruit again. This is value. I think you also mm-hmm. mentioned improving reputation, you know, uh, being able to be seen by other businesses as a reliable partner because you care on your, your people and your community, your shoulders. Um, but I think I think what I, I can also hear from what you highlight is at the end of the day, you can access funding, you can access financing. Some organization will look for that. And you can get financing from investors, but you can also get financing from corporations as well, right? And then it's a way to to yield competitive advantage. So um, my last question to you, Nathan, if you look at Nathan when he was 10, what would you tell him when he would look at you right now? Ah, um, Let's use Nathan at 15. Okay. um, Because that's when I I wrote my paper on be that i was going to be an international businessman um i was gonna what was i, I was gonna summer in berlin summer in berlin and winter in boston or i don't remember what it was it was some sort of anyway that was the paper i wrote and uh i think my i would say to him that like hey you're gonna get there because i usually share that story in the book of like you know like I, the first job i got at dispatch trucks like that to anybody i think entering the workforce it's that like just keep investing in yourself keep working hard never give up never give up that belief that you can do it and always strive towards those goals i mean it's funny now i actually have a client in germany who i'm helping through the b corp certification and and i think about it and we had dinner in germany when i was over there and i think about like all those years like I still have my German flashcards. I never let my German fade. Like I've kept my German up to speed, like all those things. And so it's kind of cool. Like, and all this stuff, like all the time I spent investing in B Corp knowledge. And, but even the first job I got came from stuff that I picked up working at like enterprise rent a car and they needed operations management. And here I came from enter where everything is KPI and this and that. And so like, I would tell my old self, just like whatever situation you're in, do the best job you can do, learn as much as you can possibly learn, 
invest in yourself outside of work and like it's gonna happen you just have to trust the process you just have to trust if you follow that formula it might be and for some people it might be at 28 for some people it might be at 45 for me it happened in my mid-30s and um but little 15 year old nathan you're now officially an international businessman with your one client in germany i love it you made it to germany and uh you're an international businessman. And actually, education and learning, I think all of us, we can't stop, right? We have to be continuous learners. That's the only way we can differentiate long term. I don't think uh, we have any other way to actually meet the need of the future, drive resiliency for ourselves and our family and, and connections around us. So where can we find you, Nathan? I will look forward for you to send me the link to the TEDx. But apart from that, until I get the, the link, where can we find you? So and hopefully that'll be, it's in the approval process right now. So as long as Ted, whoever behind the, the green curtain at Ted deems it, it worthy, um, it'll be coming out soon. Um, but for me, my social media of choice is LinkedIn. Um, that would be my other advice for 15 year old Nathan. When this thing called LinkedIn comes out, get on it. Um, <laughs> So linkedin.com slash Nathan A. Stuck. And then company is profitablepurposeconsulting.com. I make it, there's the test. You have to be able to spell that. Um, so, and then, um, yeah. And then I'm also, I'm also on, um, I mean, I guess I also run Be Local Georgia. So both, both Profitable Purpose Consulting, my for-profit and Be Local Georgia, my nonprofit are both on LinkedIn. Just if you just search them, you'll find them. Um, but yeah, but if you want to follow me, connect with me, always happy to have conversations about B Corp. So um, don't be a stranger. And I mean it. Yeah. Thank you, Nathan, for giving me some of your time today. We have a nice, you know, conversation, which my belief, I hope the corporation I work with and the startups as well I engage with will be curious about how that can impact their business for the better. So thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for the opportunity to talk B Corps and thank you for having me on. Pleasure it does. If you like this podcast, subscribe now, share with your friends, and if you enjoyed it, please give it a five-star review. Also, if you want to cover any specific subject with me, contact me on Instagram under Sabine VDL Officials or LinkedIn under Sabine Van der Linden. Thank you.